Today on episode number 560, look, I'm a guitar player, and last month we lost a legend in Chuck Berry. We're going to look at his life, both the good and the bad, and say, what can we learn to use in podcasting? Plus, I'm going to look at the Swiss Army knife of podcasting known as Pod Hero. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, here's what happens. I'm going to bring my my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology, my 12 years of helping people podcast, and we're going to help you massage your message. We're going to help you tackle that technology, face your fears, flatten that learning curve, and not just get you podcasting, but get you podcasting right. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Well, last month, one of my heroes passed away, and that was Chuck Berry. And whether you want to or not, you have no choice. When you are a guitar player, which I am, you have no way of not crossing paths with Chuck Berry. He was uh, 90 years old, and I saw him four years ago at a special event. I live in, uh, I lived, well, at the time I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, and they had a whole week-long celebration of Chuck Berry at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so they brought in all these tons of musicians. There was Merle Haggard, uh, Ronnie Hawkins, uh, DMC from Run DMC, Joe Bonamassa, Lemmy Kilmeister, who's now gone as well, and they all came to play his music and honor him, and at the end of the night, Chuck accepted the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's American Masters of Music Award, uh, which, again, wrapped up like a whole week of things. In fact, Chuck Berry was the very first person to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they sent, I forget what it is, uh, something into space. I think it was something out to Mars or whatever. One of the songs on that to kind of represent the U.S. was Chuck Berry's Johnny B. Good. And so at the end of this concert, they finally bring Chuck out, who's kind of what I went to see. And his band consisted mainly of his children who knew how to follow Chuck because at times uh, Chuck was a little unpredictable. And I say this with all due respect as someone who whose father and grandmother had dementia. Uh, there was a pretty big hole in the marble bag and Chuck got confused in the middle of two songs and restarted them. But Chuck did start us smiling before he even picked up his guitar. He said, Hey man, it's great to be here. He goes, then again, I'm 86. I'm glad to be anywhere. And that instantly put us all in a great mood. And uh, so I thought, here are some things that we can learn from from Chuck Berry. But before we do that, I got to say again, as a guitar player, you you start playing the guitar, hoping to play, I don't know, Stairway to Heaven, Iron Man, Smoke on the Water, whatever. You want to be Van Halen, but you don't start there. You start with Chuck Berry and you start with Johnny B. Good. And in the same way that every band has to learn Mustang Sally and Brown Eyed Girl, every guitar player eventually will have to learn Johnny B. Good, and I am no exception. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about here is that it's not about the tech. Now, I watched this whole concert with all these famous musicians, and some of them had like these pedal boards that were made up of technology on top of technology on top of technology. I mean, basically, they could do the river dance if they wanted to, to change the tone of their guitar with a tap of their foot. Chuck came out 
with his trusty guitar and plugged it into an amplifier. He, it wasn't about the tech. It was about Chuck. And he hit the opening riff of Roll Over Beethoven. And I don't know how to explain this. You, there was no way you could not smile. Chuck had one tone. Remember back in the day when we had phones and it had one tone? It was called the phone. Well, Chuck had one tone, and it was called Chuck Berry. And this was not a drill. This was not a test. Right there in front of me was Chuck Berry. And I know this sounds stupid. He sounded so much like, I don't know, Chuck Berry. And you just could not help but smile. He had a smile on his face. And by the third beat, the whole place was clapping along to his music, or they were dancing, or they were doing both. It kind of sounded like this. Okay. Seriously, how many of you are smiling right now? I know I am. He had many styles. You may not know this. Uh, one of his hits, Maybelline, was actually a ripoff of an old country song. He played slow blues. He has one song that's kind of like a, a mamba. And uh, my guess is you probably don't know those songs because back in the 50s, if you wanted airplay, and this really hasn't changed, you had to play something that the kids wanted right? The teenagers, and especially if they could dance to it. And one of the things uh, back in those days, and this really hasn't changed, teenagers are usually the ones buying music. I don't know if that's still true today, because today I think teenagers are the ones that are streaming music. But nonetheless, we're talking in the 1950s. And back then, rock and roll was brand new. This was not Perry Como. This was not Pat Boone. This was rock and roll. And it was a way of being rebellious. It was almost like a movement at the time. And then to put a cherry on the top, the fact that this music was from a black man. Now, again, we're talking the 1950s. This was a way to even more cheese off your parents. And you're going to notice Chuck gave people what they wanted. And you'll notice right now that clip, you're like, hey, was that Johnny B. Good? Or was it uh, rock and roll music? Or was it rollover Beethoven? And that's because they all kind of sounded the same. As a musician, I can tell you uh, they're pretty much all the same. Now, that clip is from a time when he appeared on the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show, for those of you uh, who aren't familiar with, who is Johnny Carson? This is back in the 70s. And he went over, he wasn't supposed to play two songs, but after playing one song, the crowd went berserk, and literally Johnny bumped the other two guests. They're like, all right, we got uh, Chuck Berry here. Uh, we're going to let the guy play. But in that clip, and I'll have a link to this out in the show notes at schoolpodcasting.com slash 561, you will see where he goes over to the band leader and basically says it's the same as the last song because they had already played one. And so there are songs like Sweet Little 16 and School Days. They're all basically the same song. Let me give you a little taste here.
So he was giving the people what they wanted, even if it sounded exactly the same, because, hey, it's what the people wanted. Here's a quick outtake from the third take of Johnny Be Good, where his piano player got a little confused, apparently, in regards to what song they were playing. You were making roll over Beethoven on a piano that time. Stay away from that. So, oops, playing the same song again. But again, he gave people what they want. The other thing he did, he also had, because again, this was kind of a, a, a rebellion kind of thing for people. He also had suggestive lyrics. Now, these are so tame compared to today's lyrics, but this again probably made parents offended, which was kind of primarily the main thing of rock and roll back in the day. But listen to these suggestive lyrics. Well, if you feel it and like it, this is from Rollover Beethoven. Go get your lover, then reel and rock it. Uh, roll it over and move on up just a trifle further and reel and rock it with one another. Roll over, Beethoven, and dig these rhythm and blues. That's right. Rhythm and blues had a baby, and its name was Rock and Roll, baby. So, number one, it's not the tech Chuck had a guitar. That was it. And an amp. Number two, give the people what they want. And how did he know that what his audience wanted? Well, he would play these other types of songs. And then when they would just go bonkers when he played these other ones. So the other thing he was, he was really engaging. Even at 86, he was engaging. He made sure you were looking at him. Now, in his early days of his career, he usually wore like a black suit or a white suit. But his eyes, his mouth, his hands, and especially his legs demanded attention. Now, he would strum his guitar in a way that his hand moved from kind of the bottom of the guitar towards the top of the guitar. Now, as a guitar player, I can tell you this makes no difference. Zero where you strum an electric guitar, but it looks cool. And yes, I've borrowed that move. Also, his duck walk this is where he would kind of uh, crouch almost on his knees and kind of move his head a certain way. He admitted on a CBS interview, the duck walk was a mistake. He had actually slipped and fallen. And what amounted to the duck walk happened as he was trying to get back up. Now he noticed the ovation and worked it into his act. So here again, Chuck paid attention to what made the audience go wild. And that became like his signature thing. And even at 86, he attempted a duck walk. And again, people went bonkers because we're all like going, Chuck, if you try that a little harder, you're going to break a hip. But it was amazing. And again, he was giving people what they wanted. We wanted to see a duck walk. We knew it wasn't going to be the duck walk of the 50s. But and he was really, really engaging. The number four thing we can learn from Chuck Berry is charge what you're worth. Look, there is only... One Chuck Berry. Now, sure, everyone from the Beatles to the Stones to Elvis to Dwayne Allman, the Kinks, John Lennon, Simon and Garfunkel, Bruce Springsteen, David Bowie, George Thorogood, they've all covered his music. But there's only one person that will do it and sound like Chuck Berry. And consequently, Chuck knew this. And after being ripped off in the early part of his career, as many musicians do, by the way, he started demanding that he got paid upfront in cash. And I see now with this new type of uh, auto inserted kind of ads for podcasting where people are actually getting paid two whole dollars per thousand downloads. Now, I mentioned last week 
that every week I do, every month I do a an episode that's primarily based on your feedback. And what I'm going to do this time, because the question is kind of like, what would be the minimum you would charge for an advertiser on your show? That's what I was looking for. And I'm going to make it really easy. This one, I don't really need audio. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash poll, that's P-O-L-L, 564, schoolofpodcasting.com slash poll, 564, and answer a few questions, I'm going to be talking about that because I think in some cases, I could be wrong, this is just my opinion, I think you're worth more than that. But maybe you know, maybe you know something that I don't. So I would love to get your opinion on that. Just a few questions, and uh, I'll definitely be plugging everybody who contributes to that. But Chuck knew that, like, look, I have a niche, and that niche is the fact that I am the Chuck Berry. And if you want to have Chuck Berry, you got to pay for me, got to pay for it in cash, and you're going to pay for it up front. Number five, Chuck got the audience involved. And most of his big hits had a a very easy way to become some sort of sing-along. I mean, all he had to do was say, go, and put his hand up to his ear, and the audience would all scream, go, Johnny, go, go. I mean, here's a, a classic example of that. With a little sweet little 16. They're really rocking in Mars. Pittsburgh, PA. Now, uh, you might have heard a little oopsie there. We'll talk about that in a second. And uh, But here again, Chuck starts playing. People start clapping. People start dancing. People singing along. Chuck was very, very engaging. Number four, again, charge for what you're worth. Number five, get the audience involved. Number six, a little planning up front, save some editing time later. Now, post-1970, Chuck didn't tour with a band. He Again, he came with a guitar and maybe an amp, and he brought his guitar, and whoever was promoting his concert was in charge of putting together a band. And on The Tonight Show appearance, he said, uh, well, everybody knows my music, so why should I have a whole, you know, band kind of thing? And I was like, that's that's true. But it all, again, it all kind of sounded the same. And uh, and while they're not all obvious, when you see Chuck perform with these acts, uh, the intros are a little sloppy and the endings were often train wrecks as the band didn't know that when Chuck kicked his leg, that meant stop. And in that last clip we just heard, to make a long story short, most of Chuck's songs followed a, uh, it's called a one four five in music. And basically, uh, the guy was supposed to go back to the four, and he went, you know, go back to the one, he went to the four. He covered it up very nicely, but there was definitely a oopsie on that one. So on one hand, he, he was kind of trying to improvise with a band because his music was fairly easy. But on the other hand, I've seen multiple clips on YouTube now where it just, I've talked about this in the past, the way you start a segment and the way you end a segment, a lot of times can really influence A, if people are going to listen to it in the first place, and B, what do they take away from that? And basically, Chuck was kind of sloppy in the name of saving a few bucks. And I don't know, to me, that's something I think we should learn because I just heard, I'm listening to this book 
uh, on TED Talks. And this guy made a great analogy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to steal that. For those of us that want to improv our show, we're just going to rip off the top of our head. That's fine. I've always said less editing. I'm sorry, less planning equals more editing. More planning equals less editing. And the difference between the two is when you just improv, it's like listening to jazz. And I mean like jazz, you know, where it's like four different people playing in four different keys and four different rooms. They can't even see each other. That kind of jazz. That is like improv. And sometimes it's magical, but a lot of times it's like And on the other hand, if you completely script out your podcast, that's a little bit like classical music. I mean, it's not like you're going to be listening to something from Mozart and all of a sudden violinist number two is going to stand up and take a big old solo followed by the oboe guy just going bonkers. I don't think that's going to happen. Right? No surprises. And I think good podcasting is a cross between the two where you leave you you've thought out your your thoughts he said stumbling over thought you you've you've planned it there's a little planning up front so there aren't moments like this this is from that same clip from the tonight show he goes over to play his second song and you hear this on live tv so he's at the microphone he strums his guitar but now watch me do Johnny yeah, nothing Nothing there. He does his amplifier isn't turned on. So he goes over, he flips a switch on the back of his amplifier, and now he's gotta wait for the tubes to warm up. Yeah. First impression blown though. Juice will come in. And finally And uh, we know how that ends. So the people stand up, the people clap, the people start dancing. You can do that when you're Chuck Berry. But think about it again. If he had just walked over and started that song, it would have been great. So when a little more planning up front means a little less editing later and just a better product. Now, number seven, we could spend a lot of time on this one because I'm not here to say Chuck Berry was a saint. I also went on, I don't want to get too graphic because some of the stuff he did was really pretty gross, but he had issues with the law about every 15 to 20 years. In fact, in high school, he spent three years in jail in high school for armed robbery. So I'm going to throw in two things we can learn here from Chuck on this. Number one, don't break the law, but also realize you are not defined by your mistakes. So if you're thinking, oh, I couldn't do a podcast because I'm just a dirty, no good, no, 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 no. There's still plenty of time. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the things he did here. But um, he, he was involved in a scandal that was settled out of court. So in the same way that Michael Jackson wasn't guilty for doing things with, with young boys, uh, Chuck Berry's not guilty of this, but he did spend somewhere between 800000 and $1.2 million on defending or, or paying off or however you want to look at it. He put cameras in a restaurant in the women's bathroom, and he said he was doing it because he was trying to catch somebody who was stealing from him. So that was kind of weird. But again, don't break the law. That's just not a good idea. And um, 
as someone who's who's had some time with uh, lawyers, uh, primarily with divorce, uh, stay out of the legal system, period. And number eight, uh, take care of your team and get things in writing. We've talked about this uh, in the past that I don't care if it's you and, and Uncle Chuck or, or you know, Susan and, and your best friend uh, Spiffy and you've known each other forever. You need to get in writing what the expectations are. And and this is another one. It's not a hundred percent guilty here, but Chuck insisted on being paid in cash. Which, oh by the way, uh, speaking of don't break the law, uh, that whole thing being paid in cash also led to him being investigated by the IRS, and he owed them back taxes. He thought he was going to be kind of clever that way. I think of getting paid in cash, but he played for President Carter, and then they busted him. So I understand why he did that. He'd been swindled out of money. He wanted paid up front. But one of the key players in Chuck Berry's band was this guy named Johnny Johnson, his piano player, who was phenomenal. In fact, the song Johnny Be Good is said to be inspired by Johnny Johnson. Now, in 2000, Johnny Johnson sued Chuck Berry, alleging that he deserved co-composer credits and better, more importantly, royalties for dozens of songs, including No Particular Place to Go, Sweet Little 16, Roll Over Beethoven. And those just show that the author was Chuck Berry. Now, the case was dismissed in less than a year because too many years had passed since the songs had been written, which does lead you to kind of go, hey, uh, Johnny, this song was written in 1955. Why did you wait till 2000 to speak up and go, hey, I'm missing my royalties? So this is one of those that is kind of like not really sure what to believe here. But nonetheless, these are two people that played together forever. We're kind of peanut butter and jelly. And they needed to have something in writing to say, here's what's going to happen in this case. So I know it's your bestest buddy, your BFF, whatever it is, just put it in a Word document. Here's what's expected. Here's what happens. If it's the Ernie and Burt show, Burt quits. Can I bring in Elmo and still call it the Ernie and Burt show? You know, what's going to happen there? What happens with merchandise? Who's doing the promotion? Who's doing the editing? Who's doing, who's doing, who's doing, who's doing? Get that in writing. Number nine, don't spend all your money on gear. Again, the first tip was Chuck kept it simple. He had a guitar and an amp and it still brought him tons of people. He didn't have the bestest guitar and the bestest amp. He had his sound. He found it and he liked it. And I see so many people that will have a a phenomenal microphone. They'll have a sure SM7B and they'll go, I don't know, maybe I should get a high up 40 or they're going to get a electro voice RE320 or they've got an audio technica 2100. These are great microphones. And unless your sound sounds horrendous, adding a different microphone isn't probably going to bring you a whole lot more in terms of downloads. And so here, Chuck didn't spend a lot of money on gear. Now, in some cases, I think he was a little cheap by not buying a band. We talked about that a little earlier. But when I looked into this, a recent report estimated that he's worth about $50 million. And while some of this is from record royalties, he also invested in real estate. In fact, there's actually going to be an album coming out, I believe this month, that his first album in like 30 years that he did, I think he kind of knew the end was coming and he wanted to record one more album. So he did. So you'll be hearing about a new Chuck album coming out. Uh, Just another fun thing that I discovered here as I've been working on this, when you go to Spotify and type in just the word Chuck, Chuck Berry comes up immediately. Uh, And I'm sure there are a lot more Chucks in music than, than Berry. But anyway... Keep this in mind 
that when you start making money with your podcast, if that's something that you want to do, spend some of this money on your family because many times you're taking time away from them to do this. So make sure that not only do you benefit from this, make sure they benefit from it. Put some of this money in the bank so you can avoid the stress of worrying about money. It's not always about the gear. I talked about this at the beginning. It's not the tech. Once you get the tech done, then start reinvesting in things that count like your family and your future, because that's what Chuck did. And let's face it, there are a lot of musicians. You know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, the lead singer from Men Without Hats is probably like a door greeter at Walmart right now. So he was smart enough to keep things, you know, forward thinking that I've got to have another set of income here. So the 10th one, I'm going to throw this in here. I just discovered this. So it's it's a last minute entry. And that is Chuck gave people what they wanted. But I also know I've never heard of this song. And I, I consider myself somewhat of a music nerd. And so you can't, this is one of the things I worry about as a, a podcast about podcasting. How do I stop just regurgitating the same things? Because some things aren't going to change. And so he came up, did you know that there's a song called Bye Bye Johnny? It's actually kind of the sequel to Johnny Be Good. According to Wikipedia, this never made the charts anywhere. Like just UK, US, nope, didn't make a dent. And so what do we learn from this? Going back to a formula isn't always going to work. So in this case, he's still singing about Johnny Be Good, but at this point, who? And so this is kind of like, I know you have a lot of cookies to sell. I mean, you've got a lot of tagalongs to push, but starting a podcast and calling it Girl Scouts on Fire is not going to be the ticket to stardom. So it's still got to be good. It's still got to deliver what people want. And maybe at that point, it was a few years later, maybe they were tired of Johnny Be Good. Maybe they wanted something different. I don't know. But I saw that and was like, wow, I never knew there was a sequel to Johnny Be Good. And the reason for that was it really wasn't that original at that point. I think at this point, years later, everybody kind of figured out that most of Chuck's stuff sounded like Chuck's stuff. Maybe I don't know. It was years later. Who knows? But you can't just go back to doing the same old thing and expect people to take it. Let me give you a classic example of this. Somebody who was inspired by Chuck Berry. Uh, one of my heroes is Ted Nugent. Listen to this. We're going to play Ted Nugent Stranglehold, Ted Nugent Stormtroopers, Ted Nugent Motor City Madhouse, Ted Nugent Smokescreen, Ted Nugent Tail Gunner. And there's about another six more I could play, but listen to this. All right, 
So, and the thing that got me, the first three of those were on the same album. And uh, let's let's wrap this up a little bit. Number one, keep it simple. It's not about the tech. Number two, give people what they want. Now, you might be saying, but Dave, you just played a bunch of songs that sound exactly the same. Isn't that what Chuck did? It is, but realize that there's going to come a time when people have gone, really, I've had enough chocolate ice cream. That's enough. Or you can't do that forever. It's got to be somewhat original. And even though those songs of Chuck's all sounded the same, they had different stories and things like that. So when he kind of tried to repeat himself with Johnny or whatever, Bye Bye Johnny, they're like, no, man, that's a ripoff. So give people what they want, but you got to know what they want, right? That's part of it. The other thing is, don't forget, he was a little controversial at the time. So don't be afraid to stick your neck out, or in his case, his legs out. And uh, have people go, oh, oh, my, oh, my goodness. Oh, my. I think I'm getting the vapors. He just said rocking and rolling. Oh, my goodness. Number six, he was engaging. Number four, uh, charge what you're worth. Number five, Chuck got the audience involved. Number six, a little planning up front saves you from looking like a hack later. And something I'm going to throw in here. I didn't mention this the first time we mentioned this. He did this because he was trying to save money. But in the end, he wasn't always leaving. He he could do that because he's Chuck Berry. You're not Chuck Berry. So an example of this might be using archive.org as a media host because you're trying to save yourself five, ten bucks a month. And I realize sometimes you're like, look, I don't have ten bucks. If you don't have a guitar, you can't be Chuck Berry. And so for me, using archive.org or using a free media host, you're just you're doing things that I think later you're going to go, ah. Shouldn't have done that. Couple train wrecks in front of an audience. So a little planning up front, save some editing time later. Number seven, don't break the law, please. Number eight, take care of your team, get things in writing. Number nine, don't spend all your money on gear. And number 10, while you can still give them something similar, it has to still be good. So you can't just rip off an old thing, put a new, uh, It's you've got to come up with something original. And I know we call it podcasting, but really you're in the entertainment business. You are an entertainer or an educator or something of a nature, but it's got to be something that holds their attention, right? Bottom line is don't be boring. So that's where to me, when I hear another song that sounds exactly like the same one, I'm like, ah, you didn't put any thought into it. And that's when I feel if if Ted Nugent's getting lazy on his lyrics, then he didn't put any effort into it, then I'm not going to put the effort into it to really listen to it. And I think that's kind of what happened with Chuck Berry as well. Now, let's talk about, now look, I've said Chuck Berry's not an angel, didn't, didn't want to come across that he was, and I'm not trying to gloss over the fact that the man was not a saint. But there's a great quote from uh, Maya Angelou, and she says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And so for me, like I said, when Chuck Berry was in front of me and he started up a song, it was like somebody had injected some sort of happy Botox into my face so that I could not help but smile. His music made people smile. It made them want to dance. It led them to having fun. And in some cases, yeah, there was some reeling and a rock and who knows, but people remember how you made them feel. And last week, we heard how uh, Nick Suberling said that I made him laugh at work. And to me, do you realize if you can make somebody laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain them, and some, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember not so much what microphone you had. They're not going to remember how long your episode was. They're not going to remember 
who your web hosting was or who your media hosting was. I can remember what you did for them. How did you make them feel? And do you realize how many people, the Beatles, George Thurgood, Ted Nugent, the Rolling Stones, all credit, and I could go on for about a day on that, they all credit Chuck Berry as being inspirational for them starting music. And you, you could start a podcast right now and start to build up your audience and you could be inspiring people years from now that saying, I would have never started a podcast if it had not been for you. But you can't inspire people. You can't entertain people if you don't start your podcast. And when you've recorded 15 episodes and it's on your hard drive, you're not inspiring anybody but you and you've heard it. And in the same way, a musician writes a song to be heard, a podcaster records a podcast to be heard. So get that thing off your hard drive. Come over to the School of Podcasting. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That'll save you on whatever you want to do, a single course or a monthly subscription, whatever it is. And I can walk you through the exact process of polishing that, that episode, maybe some things you didn't think about how to record it, how to, what microphone do you need so we can keep your gear simple without you spending thousands of dollars, how to get it into iTunes, how to build your website. Everything is there at the School of Podcasting. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and use the coupon code listener and people will be remembering how you made them feel in the future. And I need to say this, and I need to say it now. If you're saying, hey, Dave just played music in his podcast, that must mean it's legal. What, what, what? Nope, absolutely not. What you just heard was illegal music. And I think, I believe I'm taking a risk. It's my risk that if somebody said, hey, Dave, we're taking you to court for copyright infringement, I believe I could use the legal defense of fair use and be able to walk away with just court costs. So lest you think, hey, Dave played Chuck Berry, so that means it's okay. Nope, not saying that at all. So I just want to make that clear. If you play music in your podcast without the written consent of the performer, hard to do that right now because, uh, yeah, Chuck's still dead. And uh, the writer, which again is Chuck, and whoever owns his masters, who knows that is, uh, I don't have permission from anybody there. And it doesn't matter that I only played 10 seconds, 12 seconds. I heard Jillian Michaels on her podcast say, oh, I can only play 14 seconds or less. That is not true. You can't play anything. And I just did. And so I'm hoping because I was using it in an educational way and I was commenting on the music, in theory, I could use the fair use legal defense to defend myself in uh, court. So please don't run out of here thinking, I'm going to go play some Van Halen. No, that's not what I'm saying. All right, we're going to talk a little Pod Hero. You can find it at podhero.io. And what I'm going to do, I have a problem right now. Well, not really a problem. I know the people behind podcasterstoolbox.com. I don't know that that's officially live yet, but I saw that in kind of alpha. I know Harry from Podcast Junkies. He's the guy behind podfunnel.com. I saw that when it was on like alpha, alpha. And now I've, I had Pod Hero uh, from Kyle Martin. Now, Kyle actually came to the School of Podcasting and did an overview for the members. 
And if you're like, hmm, and now if you think, you know, I'm not really, I don't need to join the School of Podcasting, I already have a podcast. Well, okay, that's fine. You do get the Facebook group and the live coaching, which is like free consulting. And um, you also get stuff like that on occasion. And uh, what was interesting about this is if you're not a member of the School of Podcasting, I did also upload it to my Patreon account. So if you go to supportthisshow.com, you'll see I have two different Patreons account. One is monthly and one is when I upload a a, a video or a, a topic, you can support me that way. So if you're not a member of the school podcasting and you still want to support the show, you can do it that way. So that's one of the, the things that I uploaded was the Pod Hero overview. And so basically they have audio processing. And I compared this to Auphonic.com. I did not compare it to Levelator, which is a free program. Because Levelator adjusts the volume, but it doesn't do anything to the sound. Auphonic will level the volume and remove things like hiss and hum. And so let's take a listen to what I use for this. This isn't really a bad piece of audio. It is a audio clip I got from Gary Leland. You might have heard this a couple weeks ago. He sent in because of his podcast. Now, Gary's from Texas, and my guess is in the background, I hear just a little bit of air conditioner is going to be my guess because it's a little hot in Texas. And so I took this audio, ran it through Auphonic, and I ran it through Pod Hero. And I'm going to play the original one here. Let's do that. Here's the original one. And then I'll play Auphonic, and then I'll play Pod Hero. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. So that was the original version. And again, a little bit of hiss, a little room noise, nothing crazy. And if you're in listening to this in your car, you're like, I don't hear anything. I'm, I would say, yeah, exactly. Here is now the Auphonic version. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. And now the Pod Hero version. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. All right, one more time, and this time I won't talk in between. I'm going to play Auphonic, and then I'm going to play Pod Hero. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. Hello, friend. This is Gary Leland. You and I go way, way back in podcasting. Now, someone like Chris Coran from PodcastEngineeringSchool.com could probably tell you the difference between the two. I had to open up and look at the file. And I could see where Auphonic seems to boost the volume just, and I mean just a smidge more. The other thing that Auphonic does is Auphonic allows you to pick, do you want just hiss removal? Do you want just hum removal? What volume level do you want it to be set at? You can have it go to whatever minus 13 luffs and things like that. It's a little more versatile. But Auphonic, if you're using the website, you pay X amount a month for X amount of time, or you can buy the desktop version. So this is unlimited use of that, of that tool. And what's cool, it's MP3s or WAV files, and pretty much whatever you upload is what you download. So I uploaded a stereo WAV file and got back a stereo WAV file. So I was... uh fairly impressed with that. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, now here's the other cool thing is when I was first playing with this, it kind of like bonked out on me. I think I, I, it took too long or it got stuck and Kyle said, Hmm, okay. And I don't, sometimes I think Kyle is not aware when you deal with podcasters, they get insanely crazy about audio quality. 
And he was saying he might have to ramp up the server that is chewing through all those files. So I think as time goes along, this will be a thing that he'll have to keep beefing it up as more and more people get on it. As you might imagine, it's a new tool and things are, uh, as more and more people get on it, he's going to have to beef it up. I didn't run into that a lot and it seemed fairly quick. I would say in terms of which one took longer, I would say it's a tie in that aspect. And uh, I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool tool. The next tool is podcast video. So here's where Pod Hero can take your podcast, send it to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it also gives you a very basic tool to create custom artwork. Now, keep in mind, if you're hosting your media files with Libsyn or Spreaker, you already have this feature. I know Blueberry does some distribution. I don't believe they do any kind of video creation, though. I would have to double check on that. And uh, I know they do Twitter and Facebook. Uh, the tool for creating the image, like I said, is is really really basic. It is better than nothing. So it's kind of like, well, it's better than a poke in the eye, but it was, it was, meh, okay. Uh, when there are tools such as like canva.com, which is free, by the way, I could see using Canva to create the image and there isn't a, a, the ability to upload your own image. So I could see making the image someplace else and then uploading it here. Now, is the video thing worth it? So I went over and looked at my last episode from the school of podcasting. It had 26 views on YouTube. And I was surprised to see, I went and looked at the analytics that people were actually watching or listening, whatever they're doing on YouTube, to most of the episode. I really expected to see most of them just drop off. And I was surprised out of the 26 people that viewed it on YouTube, most of them stayed like we're talking 80% done. Uh, many of them 80 or 98% done. So my advice would be to, uh, if you're going to be using this tool, Open it in a new window. So you'll have Pod Hero open in one window. Right click on that tool, open it in a new tab because the processing of the video is not quick. It takes some time. They can email you when it's done, but, um, you know, that's the way it works. Currently, you have a tool to automatically post it to YouTube. And you'll see this a lot in the tool plan, like coming soon Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Medium. But right now, it's just YouTube if you wanted to automatically post it. they The creating a video manually, you can just have it create a video, and then you could manually upload it to any of those sites. So it's an interesting tool. It's one of those things, I can't say if that's a good feature or not. So now we're getting into my opinion. My opinion is, you know, I got 26 people that listened to the school podcasting that didn't before, and it didn't cost me anything to put it on YouTube. So... It's, I don't know that, it, you know, I, I hear other people that have great success on YouTube. I've heard people say that blind people, uh, no, I'm sorry, I take that back. Deaf people are enjoying people's podcasts on YouTube because it transcribes it poorly, but it transcribes it. The next feature is called a website widget review. Uh, this is a tool that you copy some paste, copy and paste some code, and it puts this little pop-up window in the bottom right-hand corner of your website. For me, here again, in my opinion, Meh, because it promotes iTunes rankings and or I'm sorry, iTunes reviews. And while I love reviews in iTunes, if you want to review me, by all means, go to schoolpodcasting.com slash iTunes and leave a, a rating and a review while you're there, though. And here's the key. Please subscribe to the show, even if you're not using podcasts or iTunes, schoolpodcasting.com slash iTunes, subscribe to the show. And that's what I'm worried about is I think this whole, hey, get ratings and reviews is going to help advance the idea that 
ratings are really, really important. And it's not that they're not important. They're social proof. So if you see my podcast up against another podcast and I have 58 reviews and this person has six, maybe you'll listen to mine first. That's where reviews come in handy. So now for me, so this is where I say, I think this is for somebody who's really kind of new to websites in some cases. I can easily make a link like schoolofpodcasting.com slash iTunes. I can add an image in my sidebar. Uh, by the way, there's a tutorial on how to do that at the School of Podcasting and easily just put something on my website. But if you don't know anything about websites, if you're brand new to this, it's really easy copy and paste. But for me, this one, I don't find a lot of value in it because I know how to do this without that tool. Then there's a tool for your podcast reviews in iTunes, and this is a free tool. So if you want to sign up, kick the tires on the service, you can do this. They do have a feature that's a little interesting, and it shows you your reviews across a time period. I find that interesting because if you got a bunch of negative reviews, you could kind of go back and see what shows you were doing, maybe. Because realize somebody could listen to this episode today and leave a negative review for it in two months. So, but I found that interesting. They attempt to show you where your reviews came from on a map. And I will say here that, yes, they get the country correct, but I have a fair amount of reviews. Thank you very much for everyone who has reviewed the show. And when you get a, a certain number in a, in a country, it just starts making a big giant circle. So it's not, I wouldn't exactly count it as super accurate from a geographic standpoint uh, when you're trying to get into cities and stuff, but it does show your, your podcast reviews and you can say, just show me the negative ones and then, you know, open up a bottle of scotch or whatever you're going to do when you do that. Uh, So you can obsess over those. So it's an interesting tool. And again, it's always great to get feedback. Then there's another one. And this is the one I, I scratched my head on. It's called an iTunes keyword tracking tool. So what this allows you to do is put in your iTunes link and then put in a keyword. And then if you wanted to, you could put in your competitor's iTunes link, like they're linking to them in the show note in iTunes and the same keyword and see that, oh, wow, Daniel J. Lewis, who has a course on SEO ranking in iTunes, is number five for the word podcasting, and I'm lower than that. But I can also see where I'm higher than other podcasts about podcasting. My question is, okay, what do I do with that? Do I go back and re-record my episodes? Do I go change all the titles in my... I'm I'm kind of like, okay, so what? And so it reminds me a little bit back, back in the day uh, when I was writing websites in... Uh, what was the thing from Adobe? Oh, that thing. I can see the icon. Yeah, that thing. You know the one. Before I switch to WordPress, there's a tool called Webmaster Gold, and it tracked your website and lets you know where you ranked, and you could do the same thing. Say, hey, here's another website that's on this and that. That's going to drive me nuts. I can't remember that. Adobe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, this led people, this whole thing of tracking keywords and things like that, it, it led people to writing articles more for the Google web crawler instead of the humans who were reading it. And also, um, when I was a teacher in the corporate world, I would do my best every day in, in class leading my students. But every day I got scored by students, people that I would in many cases not see ever again. And look, as a teacher, I always feel there's room for improvement, but I'm not sure there was anything I would change in most cases 
if someone gave me an average score, like if somebody gave me a seven out of 10, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. I, I remember this one lady said, oh, I don't give 10s. I just don't. There's no way. There's nothing you could do. You could go wash my car. I'm not giving you a 10. So for me, I see this as a set of interesting statistics, uh, interesting statistics. I'm sure that people can that now obsess over. But in the end, I'm not sure how knowing where I rank for a keyword is going to help me deliver value to my audience. Like I can't say put in podcasting and show me the top 10. I would have to put in all the podcasts about podcasting, put in that keyword and then see where I rank. And who knows, somebody may be ranking number one for the term podcasting. That's about, you know, whatever. It's the uh, kite flying podcast. Who knows? So it's an interesting tool. I'm not sure how much value that gives me, though. Maybe I'm not. Maybe there's something I'm missing. So but the one tool that I went, okay, now we're talking is media kits. If you do a lot of interviews, this could be your favorite feature here. You basically go in, you upload any kind of promotional images for your, for this episode, you can create messages to go to Twitter, Facebook, Google plus, and LinkedIn. You upload any pictures uh, for your tweets and stuff. And what's cool is you click a button. It copies the link to this page that you just made. You email it to your guest. They click on it, takes them to this page. And with a single click, they can tweet out to all those places way cool. You're, you're, you're talking like you can write in the tweets. Now they can always make their own and that's why you give them the promotional images. But that it was like, okay, this is cool. That, mm-hmm, yeah. So now if you're, if you're doing interviews, this is great. But here's the other thing. Don't limit yourself on this. I thought you could also put that same link to the promotional page to your audience. And I went, Hmm. So that was one of my episode media kits. Pretty dang cool. Now I know PodFunnel does this as well. So this is where I'm kind of like, if you're asking me, is this the best one out there? I need to see the other tools. Some of these aren't even open. So the question is, do you need this? Well, here's the thing. You can make YouTube video, YouTube images for free using Canva. So that's in there. You can see your podcast rankings. Where do you rank for a, a particular keyword? Uh, go out to the website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 560, and you will see I have a link to a person's website. His name is Regan Starr, R-E-A-G-A-N-S-T-A-R-R.com, and you can have it basically send a daily or weekly report on where you are in iTunes and your rankings. And again, this is one of those things that I'm like, in some cases, I'm like, oh, wow, I went down two spots. What a great way to start the day. I'm not sure I'm going to change anything like that, but you can get that information for free. Remember, if you're using Libsyn, you can automatically have your show syndicated to Twitter, Facebook, YouTube as a video, and you can also upload a custom image for your video in Libsyn. You can also go to iHeartRadio, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Blogger, and more. So if you're using Lips and a lot of this whole syndication thing, you already have. They're called destinations. If you have any questions on that, email support at Lipson.com. Podcast reviews. This is a free feature in Pod Hero as well as there's my podcast reviews. Audio processing. You can actually get, you can use Auphonic for free up to two hours of audio per month. So you can get some of this stuff free. Now, the things that are unique to Pod Hero is if you're, uh, again, if you're not using Libsyn or Spreaker, so let's say you're using Podbean, it'll create a video for you. Um, it shows your podcast reviews over time. That was unique. 
Um, the podcast review widget, again, something you can make on your own, but this is a tool for that. And the podcast media kit. Now, how much does it cost? Well, for the free version, you get a worldwide iTunes review tracking for two podcasts, uh, an iTunes keyword tracker for one word. You can measure how visible your podcast is on iTunes for any search term over time. And then um, an iTunes review widget that you get all that for free for the $20 a month. You get everything I just mentioned. You can have uh, the iTunes keywords trackers up to 15 words, um, iTunes reviews up to five podcasts. And you can also, I forgot to mention this one because it makes me throw up in my mouth just a little bit. You can actually have the system notify you when you're in, you guessed it, new and noteworthy. Now, here's my thoughts on new and noteworthy, newandnoteworthy.info. It's a whole lot of caca, a poo-poo. Not that it's bad if you're in there. Just please don't make your, uh, what's the word, self-esteem reliant on being in new and noteworthy. I have found that even being in new and noteworthy doesn't do a whole lot for you. So I, I think I'm going to, if I start doing more interviews, I might do this just for the media kit thing. Now, here's the thing, and I, you've heard me say this before. You're going to pay for things in two, one of two currencies. You're either going to pay for something in time or money. So if you're using Auphonic and you're paying them $10, $20 a month for audio processing, I would consider using this tool because it looks like at this point, unlimited use of audio processing and you get the cool media kit thing plus your podcast reviews and things like that. So it kind of depends on what you have more of. Because like I said, a lot of the stuff you can get from for free if you just got to schoolpodcasting.com slash 560. I've got links to everything that I was talking about. But a pretty cool tool at this point. And I will say I've been using this off and on for the better part of two to three weeks. And it was a little buggy when I first started playing with it. But Kyle is very responsive support wise and has implemented some things that I actually, like I mentioned him, I'm like, Hey, how come when I upload a file, I'm getting a, a an MP3, but I uploaded a wave file. So he's pretty attentive to any kind of suggestions. So you can find it at podhero.io. And that is going to do it for this edition of the school of podcasting. Remember I'm doing a, um, an episode at the end of the month about your thoughts on taking advertising in your podcast. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash poll 564. That is P-O-L-L 564. Everything I talked about today, you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 560. And next week, I just had the interview with Natalie from BizChicks. Very cool interview. I'm, I'm really excited to bring that to you. Here's somebody who's been podcasting for three weeks and at one point almost quit numerous times actually almost quit and you'll find out what saved her show and what kept her going so that is next week and of course if you're looking to start a podcast schoolofpodcasting.com slash start you get step-by-step tutorials you get a private facebook group for networking and you get priority email support so that you don't get lost in my inbox plus twice a month live coaching just come in and ask me whatever you want and 
a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't like it on day 29? Let me know. Get all your money back. Just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, and I hope to see you on the inside. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless Chuck Berry. God bless rock and roll. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Class is dismissed.